0: So here we are again to talk about a thing that I learned about, and once again, we're looking at multiple topics. So without further delay, the year was 1947, and on this day, June 1st, the Doomsday Clock first appeared on the cover of Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. For those of you who don't know, the Doomsday Clock was set up in part by Albert Einstein and other scientists that helped to develop the atomic bomb during the Manhattan Project. The clock is supposed to be a visual representation of how close the world is to disaster, whether it be nuclear apocalypse or global war or climate change, and is depicted as a watch face with midnight, or the 12 o'clock, being disaster. When the clock was first introduced, it was shown to be seven minutes to midnight, and this was two years after the Second World War, so not a bad placement, all things considered. The most time we've ever had on the clock has been 17 minutes to midnight in 1991. The most recent clock change as of March 2022, the clock hands moved and was set to 100 seconds to midnight in response in part due to the invasion of Ukraine by Russian forces. This has also been one of the closest times we've ever been to global disaster. Now, why this does sound like and is rightfully a terrifying placement to be in, the clock has been set to two minutes or less since 2018 and has been set to 100 seconds since 2020, which I guess coincides with the onset of the coronavirus and the continuation of climate change. That doesn't really make it better, it just needs mentioning. So who sets the clock? Up until 1973, it was set by Eugene Rabinowich, who made the first change of the clock from 7 minutes to 3 minutes, October 1949, when Russia detonated their own atomic bomb. According to the Bulletin.org website today, it is set by the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists who meet twice a year in order to discuss and debate whether the actions of international leaders have made the world safer or more dangerous than it was in the previous year. And it is their decision that moves the clock closer or further away from Midnight. And now for something a little bit different. The year was... Actually, we don't know the exact year, but his debut was in 1969. And on this day, June 1st, Oscar the Grouch is said to have been born. For the second time, we have a Muppet on the episode. Oscar is a grouch that lives in a trash can on the one and only Sesame Street. He was designed by Jim Henson and performed by Carol Spinney from 1969 until 2018, a year before his death. He's currently performed by Eric Jacobson. Okay, hang on. I just read that in 2008, Carol Spinney said in an interview that Oscar was 43 and that he celebrated his fifth birthday in episode 7. That would make his birth year around 1965. The character, according to Muppet.fandom, is said to be inspired by a nasty waiter at the restaurant Oscar's Tavern in Manhattan, a man so rude that he amused Henson and John Stone, who was a writer and producer for the show, although Oscar the Grouch is actually named after his uncle, Philip, Spinney then took the design and based the voice on a taxi driver on his way to perform the Grouch for the First time. Now, while we all know Oscar to be green, he was designed to be purple, but originally built to be orange, and what's interesting here is that the show has an in universe explanation for the change of fur color. According to Oscar, around 2009, most of his family is orange, but after he took a trip to the Swamp Mushy Muddy Resort, his own fur turned green from the moss, which he likes because it goes with his eyes. If he were to bathe, Oscar would once again turn orange, but having accidentally done so only once, he returned to the resort to once again get his green coloration. In the years since his debut, Oscar has become a movie star, appearing in Muppet, Sesame Street, and Ben Stiller Museum movies, but perhaps most importantly, he has become a spokesman for waste reduction and waste management. He has actually also run for political office twice, and lost twice, once for the head of the neighborhood council and once for the mayor of New York. Let's switch gears again and this time look at the world of medicine. The year was 1974, and on this day, June 1st, the Heimlich Maneuver was first introduced. Now, this one is a little bit of a cheat, but let me explain. According to PBS.org, in 1972, the New York Times reported that more than 3,000 people in the U.S. choked to death, making it the sixth leading cause of accidental death. The usual response for the time to help somebody in a choking situation was to simply slap them on the back, which seems odd as it looks like you are congratulating them for choking. Doctors also argued that this was counterproductive because what you're actually doing, what's actually happening, was that the slapper would be driving the obstruction further down the slappy's throat. This would simply not do for Henry J. Heimlich, and so he did what someone in his position might do, and studied, researched, and developed his own findings, putting them into an essay, and then submitting it for publication in the pages of emergency medicine. The issue was dated June 1974, and so June 1st has become known as the day the Heimlich maneuver was first introduced. In a horrifying discovery on my part, however, I discovered Heimlich conducted his research by experimenting on dogs. He would feed them large pieces of meat and then would perform his various techniques until he found one that worked. The technique in question was this. Place the thumb side of your fist before the rib cage, just above the belly button. Grasp the fist with the other hand and press the fist inward and upward. Perform it firmly and smoothly and repeat until the choking object is dislodged. This maneuver began to save lives pretty much from day one. People who read the article began to use it in situations and saved people but it wasn't officially dubbed the Heimlich Maneuver until August 12, 1974 in the Journal of the American Medical Association. For his work, Heimlich was awarded the Lasker Award for Public Service in 1984, and while the American Red Cross and American Heart Association recommended only the Heimlich Maneuver, it has since been downgraded to be known only as abdominal thrusts. Heimlich claimed that he never wanted this maneuver to be used exclusively by the medical field and wanted everyday people to be able to perform it. However, as with anything out there, there has been some controversy. In 2003, Dr. Edward Patrick, Heimlich's colleague, issued a press release saying that he co-developed the technique, claiming that he only wanted to get credit for what he's done. We have talked about superheroes here on the show a couple of times. In a now-deleted episode, we spoke about the first appearance of Batman, Detective Comics, 27 May 1939, and we talked about the Phantom, who is considered to be the world's first superhero. And so today, I thought we would continue that tradition of super-heroes and talk about one who is super-strong and super... It's Superman. The year was 1938, and on this day, June 1st, Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, made his first appearance in Action Comics No. 1. This is a bit of a strange topic, too. Much like Heimlich's publishing of his Heimlich Maneuver, only a much more confusing extent, the cover date and the general accepted date of the first appearance of Superman is listed as June. The actual publication date of Action Comics No. 1 was April 18th, 1938. This confuses me because it's not a single month between publication and cover date but almost two months and so the question begs to be asked and hopefully answered how and why did this happen. The only thing that I can think of is that books were made in advance as they often are and the publication was just early. To briefly talk about Superman, while he is regarded as the first superhero with superpowers, he didn't start out as a good guy. Initially, in the reign of the Superman, he was a bald-headed villain with sights on dominating the world. More of a Lex Luthor type. The story didn't sell well, though, and so the pair took the idea and retooled it, eventually getting it to Action Comics, where it would be a major hit, before making the transition to his own solo title appropriately titled superman now while this is a cool topic i don't feel right doing a full episode on it because of the publication date being in april but it is worth mentioning because the cover date is in june eventually the man of Steel will get an episode but this week it looks like it's only going to be an honorable mention That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at The Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.